Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Well, this is a big honor for me to get to do this. I'm excited to do this. And at all of our Pathway locations, we're celebrating this today as we honor Larry and Melinda and their 40 years of service to our church family here. And so today is a special day. Later at 2 o'clock, we're going to have what I'm going to call, it's a light roast of Larry, but it's also where we're going to come and honor him. Um, but we wanted to do something in our services just to say thank you to both of you. And in, when you think about 40 years, I know what you're thinking is Larry must have been 10 years old when he started on staff here at Pathway Church, and you would be right about that. And so we wanted to give them a gift and honor them today and just pray for them as they retire and they make the move to Tennessee where the grandkids are. That's why they're moving. The grandkids are there. And so, Melinda, I have a gift for you because what I, what I know is you have sacrificed more than we know. One of the sacrifices is you've kept Larry in line for us for 40 years, which is amazing. And so we have a special gift for you, and it's a little weird because I'm going to tell everybody what's in the gift, is it is a digital picture frame. And so what's going to happen is our Pathway family, we're going to give you a thumb drive after this weekend that's got pictures of this weekend, but also we went back in time a little bit, and so there'll be some pictures there as well because we want to live with you forever in your new home. Um, if you get tired of us, you can also put grandkids on there, I think. It'll work either way. So, Melinda, thank you for all that you've done for all of us. Yes, let's give her a hand. Now, I know what you were thinking is I was going to hit Larry in the head with this brick, but that's not what I'm going to do. Um, Larry, we wanted to give you something special, and for me, this is something that really I hope that you feel this weekend is you have really helped build an amazing foundation here in our church family over 40 years. And so this brick is actually a brick that was removed from the Wesley campus when we did the addition way back a long time ago. And we engraved on this brick, it says, Larry Wren, thanks for laying a great foundation 40 years at Pathway Church. And so we wanna give this to you today. So we're so grateful for both of you, and I just want to pray for you right now. So everybody at all of our locations, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I thank you today for Larry and Melinda. God, I'm grateful that they are a part of our family. God, I'm so grateful for all the leadership they have provided over this 40 years, God. 
Lord, I pray that they'd have moments today where they can really share and look back and see all that you used them to do. God, we know today that uh, we stand on the foundation that many have laid before us, and Larry is one of those. God, we pray that we would continue the mission on. And God, we just thank you, Lord, for my brother and my sister here and all they have contributed to the life of our church family. God, I pray that you would bless them as they make the move. God, that as they go through many changes as they move, that God, you would just bless them with friends. You would bless them with great time with their family. And God, I pray that they would always know that they are a part of our family. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome all of you who are each of our campuses, those of you who are watching online. And I just want to say before we get going, man, I wish we could teleport Larry and Melinda to each of the campuses. I know we just did this, but man, let's give them a hand again. So awesome. What a great ministry. 40 years. And so often when I think of Pathway Church, I think of my friend Larry Wren and his wife Melinda. Uh, just incredible. Well, we are in our summer series breaking out. And we're talking about what God wants to do to break his people out. And we're in the second book of the Bible, Exodus. And Exodus really is a history of God's heart to break his people out. Now Moses is the main character in the story. And today we want to look at how God wants Moses to trust him more to break his people out. Oh, it's such an incredible book. It really foreshadows what Jesus wants to do and how he wants to break us out of our own slavery, our slavery to sin. Last week, Pastor Elliot talked about how we can take unprecedented action to break ourselves from the chains of the sin in our lives. And we left off here. We learned that Pharaoh had issued a decree, really trying to wipe the Israelites off the face of the earth. And his decree was this, that every male that was born was to be put to death. And when that didn't work, he declared that every male that was to be born was to be thrown into the Nile River. So God, in his greatness, rescues Moses. And Moses' mother and his sister, they put Moses in this little basket. And they make sure that it's a time when Pharaoh's daughter was out bathing in the river. 
that they're really rolling the dice here, hoping that she'll be compassionate, and she is. She takes Moses, Moses into the palace. I mean, you, you think about this for a minute. I mean, this is a true rags-to-riches story. I mean, it's got everything you watch. I mean, Moses now is in Pharaoh's court. He has the privilege of the finest education. There's food that is there that is rich. He's eating from the king's table. I mean, he's experiencing what it looks like to have people wait on him hand and foot. He's been adopted in. And that's where we left off. But in chapter 2, we learn a little bit more. It, It simply says this, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. Now, you have to ask this question, one day. Now, what does what one day when Moses grew up look like? Was it when he was 14, 16, 21? How do you fill that blank in? Well, actually, we have to go to the New Testament, and in the New Testament, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7, it tells us when Moses was 40 years old, he went out to observe his people working. You know, I'm sure that as he was growing up in the palace, that he began to understand that he was adopted. I mean, at some point it became apparent, right? He started to recognize that, you know, his skin was different. He recognized even that the way that he spoke, his dialect was a little bit different. And so Moses had heard about his people and how they had been helping the Egyptians build their great cities. And so one day he goes out and he investigates. And as he's there watching over his people, he sees a slave driver beating one of his own people mercilessly. I mean, just beating him. Moses snaps. Moses snaps, and the Bible tells us that in a fit of rage, he kills the Egyptian and hides him in the sand. Now, the next day when Moses came out, you would have thought that his people would have been like, great, someone's finally sticking up for us but they didn't. In fact, they actually turned against Moses as well. And when Pharaoh found out about it, man, he was furious. And he wanted Moses dead. And so Moses goes and he gathers everything and he flees Egypt. And he goes to the land of Midian, which is about 300 miles away. I mean, mean, he's hightailing it out of Egypt. He knows that his life is at stake. And when he gets to Midian, he comes to a well where there's two things, water and women. You know, and as Moses is there, he begins to recognize a certain gal. They begin to make a connection. We can't understand the entire story, how that took place. But we do know that Moses married this gal he met there at the well. And Moses goes and he begins to live now with this family. His father-in-law is Jethro. And here's what we learn next. Look with me. It says that years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. Well, God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on his people of Israel and knew it was time to act. So here's this phrase right at the beginning. Years passed. You know, sometimes when we read, it's easy to gloss over that. Well, yeah, some years passed. How many years passed? I mean, it's one thing to read over, but when you're the one living it, those years can seem like they go on forever. 
And, and that's what it felt like to Moses. The years just went on forever. And, and they're not actually great years. They're hard years. They're difficult years. You know, everyone can have a hard day. We can go through a hard week, right? No big deal. But when it's year after year, at some point, don't you start to question, God, where are you? God, I can't see you. Do you recognize my suffering? God, do you even care that I'm suffering? 40 years, 40 years Moses has been out in the desert living the life of a shepherd, working for his father-in-law, and you have to wonder, does he think that God has actually left him, that God really doesn't care about him any longer? We see that that's not true. We see that not only does God care for Moses, but he still cares for his people, and he's ready to deliver them, deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh and the oppression that they faced. Let's look together at chapter 3, such a familiar passage. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. So as Moses is gazing over the terrain, a familiar terrain, he recognizes this burning bush. Now, up to this point in the Bible, remember we're in the second book, God has spoken in different ways to his people. He's had different messages for them. But here God speaks in a powerful way. I mean, can you imagine being out there in the middle of the desert? I mean, this terrain that you've been over again and again, day after day, month after month, year after year, just searching for some ground that your sheep could graze upon. And all of a sudden you see this bush burning in the distance, but it's not burning up. So Moses goes over to inspect it. He's curious. I want to push pause here just for a moment. Because we have to remember this. I mean, Moses, like it's not a great life for him at this point. I mean, he's working for his father-in-law. His resume has taken quite a dip from being the prince of Egypt to now the shepherd boy just trying to bring the sheep in at night. And th this is a different role for Moses. It's one that he's not used to, that he hasn't experienced. And, and I wonder at some point, as Moses was going through this, if he ever said this, how in the heck did I get here? Do you ever feel like that in life? Do you ever look around and go, man, I, I have no idea how in the world did I get here? Do you ever find yourself reminiscing about the good old days? The glory days, right? You know, the days when you were younger, faster and thinner, you know, those good old days. Do you ever tell your kids about how good you used to be? This is Moses. He's 80 years old now. 
And he has to be remembering all the good old days, those glory days. I think, you know, as we look at this and, and we see Moses in this place, we have to ask ourselves, you know, man, was he regretting? Was he regretting what he did? And maybe you're there today. You know, maybe you're like listening to this and you're like, that's relatable. That's my life. That's how I feel. And I want to tell you this. And I want you to really hear this. I believe this. I believe that you can trust that God is working even when you can't see it. I mean, that's something that we learn throughout Scripture. Moses is going to learn it in a powerful way. Man, that God hasn't forgotten him, that he can still trust in him. And, and even when you've screwed up in life, I mean, even when you've blown it, and today you may feel like you don't know, Todd. Man, I am a lost cause. I mean, I'm beyond reach. And I want you to again consider Moses. I mean, here is a guy that blew up and murdered someone. I'm sure there was a day where he was out there counting the sheep where he's like, man, if I could just play a mulligan on that, if I could just go back in my life and do that over. But God hasn't forgotten him. God hasn't forgotten Moses, and God is ready to call Moses to deliver his people. God's love for his people is immense. He wants freedom for them. Here's what Moses learns about God's heart, God's words. I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down. Did you see that? So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Here it is. God wants Moses to know that he hasn't forgotten his people. God wants Moses to know that he is willing to come and use Moses, to come down from heaven and use this man. God is ready to give Moses a calling that he has never experienced. God says it this way. In verse 10, he just says, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. So right there in the burning bush, God is calling him. I mean, God is saying this, Moses, I've got a big job for you. I, I've got something that I want you to do. I mean, this is great news for Moses. I mean, it is his way out of the desert. I mean, there, there couldn't be any better news. God has basically set a traffic light in the middle of the desert in the form of a blazing bush and said, Moses, here's the escape plan. I'm going to be with you. And you're going to go as my ambassador. You're going to deliver the message to Pharaoh that I've had enough and I want him to let my people go. You ready for this? Are you excited, Moses? Moses is like this. Uh, I don't know, God. Moses begins to build excuses. I mean, God is willing to give him a second chance and what does Moses want to do? He just wants to make excuses. I bet you've heard about the, 
the wife and husband that were getting up and getting ready to go to church. You know, the wife comes in after she's gotten dressed and she's ready for church and looks in the bedroom to make sure the husband is getting ready and he's not. He's just laying there in bed. And she's like, hey, honey, get up. It's time to go to church. And he says, I don't want to go to church today. And she said to him, well, give me a reason why you don't want to go to church. And he said, I'll give you three reasons why I don't want to go to church. First of all, reason number one, that church is unfriendly and cold. Second reason, no one likes me at that church. And third, I don't really want to go. I don't feel like it. And his wife said back to him, well, I'm going to give you three reasons why you should go to church today. Number one, the church is warm and caring. Number two, there are a few people who like you. And number three, you're the pastor. So get up, we're going to church. You know, this is Moses' heart. Moses is just like this pastor. I know you've called me to do this, but I really don't want to go. I don't want to get involved. Here's what I want to say. We're a lot more like Moses than we want to admit. Let me just say it personally. I am a lot more like Moses than I want to admit. You know, I have this tendency to rationalize when God calls. Do you ever do that? I start rationalizing whether or not it's a good plan, whether or not I'm the right person. I start thinking through things and trying to make the determination. You know, I, I want you to hear Moses' excuses and I want you to think about them. And I want to challenge you too to say, man, maybe the question for you is, have I made some of these excuses with God as well? I challenge you to consider them. Here's the first one. Moses says this, who am I, Lord? Who am I that you should send me? I mean, when you look at all these people out there, who am I? I find it very interesting that Moses, 40 years before, was super confident. I mean, his confidence was brimming so much that he went and murdered someone. He stepped outside God's law, his commands, and he took it into his own hands. He was brimming with confidence, full of confidence, and right now he has no confidence I mean, here at the bush, Moses is like, Lord, Lord, you can choose someone up. There's so many people. Who am I? I'm, I'm a nobody. What does God say to him? His answer, I will be with you. I'll be with you, Moses. In fact, he says this to Moses. He wants him to understand that he's going to use him as a powerful leader. Later on, the story will learn that Moses eventually will be back at this mountain and God will be with him and there will be more people than he ever could have imagined leading. God's like, Moses, it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who I am. I'll be with you. You don't have to worry. Here's a second excuse. If I say you sent me, they'll say, what's his name? You know, have you ever had this excuse before? Do, do you see what Moses is getting at? Lord, what if I go and they ask me a question that I don't have an answer to? What then? What, what if I give them the answer and they keep pressing me? What if my answer isn't good enough? What if there's something I don't understand or there's something that I don't know? You know, maybe you feel that way. You know, maybe you've come to faith in Jesus in the past year and you feel like everybody is way ahead of you 
And you're just like, you know, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid that someone's going to ask me something that I don't know. Moses is really saying this to God. God, I don't want to look stupid. If you can assure me that I won't look stupid, I won't look unprepared or unknowledgeable, then I'll go. God's answer? I want you to tell them that I am sent you. I mean, God is saying this to Moses. I want you to tell them that I am who I am. In other words, Moses, you don't have to go defend me. You don't have to say it right. You just tell them that I am sent you because I am the one and true God. I am the God above all other gods and God is ready to show it and he's ready for the people to feel it. I mean, when he's done, the people of Egypt will beg the Israelites to leave. When I am is finally done with Egypt, they will give them their favorite things on the way out of town because the great I am won't be rivaled. You think this would be good enough? You think at some point most go, yeah, that sounds good, I'm in, but he's still hesitant. Here's his next excuse. What if they won't believe me? Have you ever played this game with God before? The what if game? You know, where you're constantly wondering, what if this happens? What if that happens? I mean, you're projecting your excuse before you're even able to see what's down the road. You know, you want to be assured that there's not going to be anything that you can't control. Well, what if this God, what if that God, there Moses is again. Moses is fearful and he is a worrier. Have you ever heard this before? There was an old man and they're asking him, you know, what what did you worry about most in life? You know what he said? He said, the things I worried about most in life were the things that never happened. Isn't that what the enemy wants to do to us? He wants us to concentrate on the what if. He wants us always to be looking down the road as if we're going to have to go there alone. But God wants to use Moses. So here's God's answer to Moses. He said, what's in your hand? I'm sure Moses looked at his hand. He looked at that staff that every shepherd used and he's like, a staff God, right? This is what shepherds carry, a staff. He said, drop it on the ground. He dropped it on the ground and it became what? A snake. I want to tell you right there, I'm tapping out. I'm like, God, I'm done. You know, that's enough for me. He says, Moses, reach down and grab the tail of the snake. He reaches down and it turns back into a staff. And then God said this, he says, I want you to put your hand in your cloak. And so he puts his hand in his cloak, kind of the Napoleon pose. And he says, pull it out again. And he pulls it out and it's leprous. I can't imagine how much fear Moses has at this point. He's like, God, I'll go, I promise. Just turn my hand back. God said, put your hand back in your cloak. He puts it back in his cloak, comes out, and it is whole again. I want to tell you, I think there's something super significant here. I think God is going to ask you at some point, what's in your hand? And you might go, Todd, what do you mean? I want to tell you, if you are a young mother right now, you know what's in your hand? It's your phone. And I know what your phone looks like. It's filled in your calendar with appointments for your kids. I mean, you feel like a chauffeur all the time. You're chasing, picking up, dropping off. You're doing all this. I want to tell you, God wants to use you powerfully in your kids' lives. 
If you're a guy and you have a meeting this week with your team, if you're working with people and you look at what's in your hand and you go, it's a team of people, I want to tell you God wants to use you to motivate, encourage, and inspire that team. If you look at your hand and you go, you know, I got a pen in my hand. I like to write. I'm going to say, use that. Begin writing. Let God guide you in that. If you have a wrench in your hand or a hammer in your hand, I want to say, use that. I have some men right now in our church who are very gifted in this area who are helping Family Promise continue to not just make this home that we were able to give to them a home, but to make it feel like it's a home. Not just functional, but beautiful. And they're able to do that because they have something in their hand that God has given them. Well, then Moses has another excuse here. He says, I- I'm not good with words. You know, my tongue gets tied. You know, I-, I always, you know, I just struggle with all this, God. And I'm sure it's true. I mean, Moses has been out in the desert for 40 years just talking to sheep. <laughs> I'm sure he's not very good with words. And he knows it. He begins to feel it. You know, Moses is now concentrating on his limitation. And all of us have them. All of us have limitations in life. We have insecurities in life. And it's easy to prop those up and go, God, I'm just not good here. I'm just not good there. But I love how God replies to Moses. Look at this. He says, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? You're worried about words? I created you. I know everything about you. I know how many hairs you have on your head. I created every bone in your body. You don't think that I can make your mouth work? I want to let you know if you're limiting God, God doesn't want you to concentrate on your weakness, but his power. When God calls you, he will equip you. Here's the big, big idea. This is really what we need to take away. We need to ask ourselves this question. Are we going to trust in ourself, our own voice? Are we going to trust God's voice over your voice? I mean, will you trust God's voice over your voice? You know, all of us have voices. We have these things that we've heard from the past. And the bad part of it is so often we start to believe them. We, we start to believe the bad press, the things that have been said, that have been hurtful. We hang on to those. It's our human nature. We believe the critics. And sometimes it's even our own voice. We limit ourselves because we believe or see ourselves a certain way. I can remember years ago when I first started in ministry. We, we used to have this opportunity to go around and preach to these small country churches. And I remember going to preach at this church. No kidding, they had a stove right there in the sanctuary. A wood fire stove. I'm like, never seen this before. And I remember getting up and delivering this message to about 20 people. And I remember getting done preaching and honestly thinking, that wasn't very good. Now, I probably had 30 minutes worth of material. I probably spoke in like 10 minutes, you know? I was young, and I remember a cowboy. A cowboy from the church, his name was Shorty. I kid you not, and he wasn't short. And he came up, and he put his arm around me, and he just said, Preacher, 
That's the best message I ever heard. I knew he wasn't telling the truth. I knew that wasn't true. But he encouraged me. He helped me learn a lesson. And the lesson was this. It's, it's really not about what you're doing. It's about what God's doing. It's not about trusting your voice, but it's about trusting God's. And there's something magical about trust. Something almost interesting, intriguing about it. Think about this. You know this to be true. Trust grows trust, which grows trust. Right? Trust grows trust, which goes on to grow trust. Trust replicates itself. You know, when Moses is there at the bush, he's not trusting God. He's making every excuse in the world. But that day, he musters up a little bit of trust. And he goes away. You know, there was a part in the story too where, where Moses was really, you know, in the midst of listening to those voices where he's like, Lord, I can't do it, I can't do it. You've got to send someone else. And, and God begins to get frustrated with Moses, impatient with him. In fact, the scriptures say God was angry with Moses. But in God's anger even, he is merciful. He says, your brother Aaron is coming, so why don't you take your brother Aaron and the two of you go to Pharaoh? We talk a lot here at Pathway Church about walking with someone. God gave Aaron to Moses to walk alongside him. At a point that he was vulnerable where he wasn't trusting fully. And that gave Moses strength. And I want to encourage you, I don't know which one you need today, whether you need to be Aaron walking with someone or you're a Moses and you need someone walking with you, but I do know this to be true. We need each other. And God gives us this opportunity. And in that moment, Moses' trust began to grow. And it grew and grew. It grew from the desert to the point where he was able to stand in the courts of Pharaoh and say, in boldness, let my people go you know Moses is a powerful example of God using someone and I want to let you know this today the Bible is full of God using people but hear this God wants to use you God wants to use you in your home God wants to use you in your workplace in your neighborhood in the schools you attend God wants to use you he has a call for your life, and really the question is, will you allow him? Will you allow him to use you? Will you trust him enough to do that? You know, Moses is in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you knew that or not. You may be listening today and going, I didn't know there's a Christian Hall of Fame. There is. It's the Faith Hall of Fame. And actually, the writer of Hebrews writes about characters in the Bible who are in the Faith Hall of Fame. And when you think about the word faith, I want you to think about this. Our faith, it's our conviction, it's our belief, it's our confidence, it's really what it means to trust. And I love how the writer of Hebrews describes Moses' faith or his trust. Look at what he says. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. 
It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. I want to ask you today, are you looking ahead? You know, sometimes I think that's what we need to do. We truly can be in that place where we feel like this is it. This is as good as it gets. I feel isolated, I feel alone, and I want to tell you God is right there with you. And it doesn't matter what you've done, God wants to use you. And what Moses had to do is he had to get his eyes off his surroundings and get his eyes up to look at the future. And I want to tell you there is a great reward. There is a great reward when you and I are willing to be used by God. But I want to ask this. Are you trusting him enough to be used? I want to give us an opportunity to reflect on that, to let that settle in. So if everyone to bow your heads, if you close your eyes, I'm going to ask the question again. Are you trusting God enough Are you trusting him enough to be used? And I want you to think about an area in your life that you feel like God is calling you to, that he's nudging you, that he's challenging you. And my guess is if you're like everyone else, you've made a lot of excuses why you can't do that, why it's beyond you. Maybe you don't feel like you know enough of God's word or maybe you don't feel like you have the right skill set. But I want to tell you this, God can strike a mighty blow with a crooked stick. And so today I want you right now to confess that thing that you haven't trusted God before. I want you just to confess it. And now I want to ask you this, will you trust God today? Will you trust God today enough to take a step take a step towards that calling that he has for you. Man, if that's you and you're willing to do that, then I want you just to raise your hand right now. Raise your hand at all of our campuses. This is full participation. You get to say, yes, God, I'm willing to trust you, even if it's scary, even if it's going to make me worry, give me anxiety. I'm going to trust you. If you're watching online, you can just type in there, I will. I'm grateful that we as a church are willing to take those steps, willing to trust more. But I also want to ask this, and and this is so important today. Have you trusted Jesus with your life? Now, what that's going to mean is you're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to surrender this idea that you can make it on your own. And you're going to have to be willing to be humble enough to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive me for uh, hurting people. I need you to forgive me for this thing that I keep doing and going back to, really to just medicate how I feel. It just helps me get through the day, but I know it's wrong and it's hurting others. It's hurting me. And if you know you need to surrender and trust Jesus with your life, 
then I just want you to pray this prayer at all of our campuses. Those of you who are watching online, let me lead you. Pray this in the stillness of your heart. Father, I confess. I confess that I've tried to do things on my own. And Jesus, I want you to know that my sin has prevented me from trusting you with my life and my future. And I want to say, Lord, would you forgive me for that? I'm sorry. Jesus, I want you to come and I want you to rescue me from this pain that I keep inflicting on myself and on other people. And I want to walk with you. And I want to know what it's like to be led by you. And so, Lord, I'm offering my trust as small as it may seem in this moment. I want to trust you each day and each month and each year to come. So, Jesus, if you'll have me, I'm all in. You know, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time at any of our campuses, if you're watching online, I want you right now to acknowledge that. At our campuses, I want you to acknowledge it by raising your hand. Raise your hand right now to say, I prayed that prayer to trust Jesus with my life, to trust that he's the only one who can rescue me. If you're watching online, you can say, that's me, I did that. Because we as a church, we want to walk with you. Raise your hand because I want to pray for you. So Father, I just uh, thank you so much. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the power that you have to free us from sin. I thank you for the power you have to free us from doubt, from our excuses. I thank you, Lord, that although our trust may be small, it can grow over time, it does replicate itself. So God, would you keep growing each of our trusts in you so that we can live up to the call that you have in front of us. And so Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you want to use us now, would you use us today, and would you use us this week for your glory and your kingdom? For it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.